0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe, and welcome to our circle.
1: Well, hello everybody. It is Readers Entertainment Radio, and this is Patricia W. Fisher, and it is March 5th. And this is just a personal note. Today would have been my grandfather's one hundredth and first birthday um he was a first generation um, American and he was very proud of that and so um i just uh, he was just a really cool presence in my life and so this day always uh, gives me a lot of um a lot of smiles because he was a pretty decent cool guy um and then also, what do we have here on the official um Um, observances here in the U.S.? Well, we have all sorts of stuff. We have, um, let's see, it's National Craft Month, and it's National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. So if you're not sure... Uh, What that's all about, you can check on the CDC website. You can check several different websites regarding uh, colon health. Um, I know that it's not a fun uh, test to do, but it's super important, and colon cancer, if it's caught early, is extremely treatable. Um, And I've had, actually, friends of mine... um, sadly, who have passed from colon cancer, who are very young, Um, and have others that have been uh, family members who have been diagnosed in their 70s and 80s and were treated, and they're still around. It's been 15, 20 years. So please, you know, do, do your due diligence. I promise you the worst, worst part of that procedure is the PrEP. And once the prep is done, it is like the best nap you'll ever have, and you're finished anywhere from five to ten years So, um, in regard to needing another test. So please, please, please be aware of that. It's also Girl Scout Week next week, so if you are absolutely interested at all in Girl Scout cookies or um, supporting the Girl Scouts, you can do that through cookie sales or simply just go on girlscouts.org, and they will give you all sorts of information. But... In the meantime, we have a fabulous author here today. Her name is Rose Amberley. And she spends her morning arguing with stubborn women, counts bells as Big Ben strikes the hour, and undresses army officers as she sails the boat up the River Thames. She's been a mermaid, a teacher, a musician, and an orange tree. And she's dueled with Vikings and made love in the rain and all before lunch. Why? Why? Because she's a writer and creator of worlds, and her first books of her English Channel series are out now, with book three on the way for April. And you can find um, uh, you can find Rose at her website, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. All the links are in the right above the show. Welcome. How are you today, Miss Rose?
0: Hi. Just call me Rosie. Hi. Rosie,
1: how are you today, my dear?
0: I'm I'm well, thank you. I just wanted to say I'm calling from England, and if the line dies in the middle, I'll call you right back. This is the uh, challenge of
1: um, cross-Atlantic uh, uh,
0: communication.
1: Yes, yes. Well, you know, I was, I was mentioning um, before we were on, and then, like you said, it, c- it cut out. Um, today would have been my grandfather's 101st birthday, and he... Um, He was first generation American. Yeah, he was first generation American. His family came over right after World War One, and his his parents and I can't imagine. You know, we read some of the letters that they'd write back and forth back home to Denmark, and um, it's I can't imagine the amount of time you know it took to get letters here and there. Um, So you know, we'll we'll, Uh, yeah,
0: I can imagine. Yeah. It, we will be okay to with that uh, to my grandparents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it will yeah, be okay well, people, with a bit when of cutting left out the country. Aside. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I completely so, understand. I mean it's funny really you say this. We we take communication for granted these days. And long ago in, in our grandparents' um time when you left the country you didn't see or
1: hear from people for years. Yeah. I mean it, it's it's um It's very sobering. It's interesting. It's not been that long ago. I mean, my great-grandfather immigrated, my great-grandmother, in 1918. I mean, that's 100 years, 102 years, three years.
0: Not that long ago.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't think people realize people were still immigrating through Ellis Island and everything into, I believe, the 1930s. Yes,
0: I suppose so,
1: yes, because I um still hear about people waiting to catch the boats in Liverpool to go to America. Yeah. Oh it just wow. It's it's really you know, there's still people who may have you know, who, who not may have who have immigrated like that. I mean it's it's amazing. So um it's it's I think we get so wrapped up in technology that the idea is, well that's always been there. It's not been that long ago that um and you know Coming by boat and all that stuff was, you know, hundreds of years, and it's not been that at all.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and for America because we're a relatively young country, but for um, for your country, I mean, it's relative, right? Yeah. Because you know we're saying, oh, it's a hundred years ago, and you're like <laughs> amateurs, you know. What I mean, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like
0: yesterday. <laughs> what a very old country I know. Tralalidites, <laughs> <a bit. laughs> Tr- Tr-
1: <laughs> Tr- <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I like tralalidites; they're lovely. Um. <laughs> so, how
0: long have you oh, been writing?
1: Always, oh,
0: um, it's a funny thing, really. Um, I've been making up stories since I was maybe seven or eight. I remember. Being taken to see a movie when I was really young, we were briefly because of my dad's job. We were in Africa. What it would be at the time Somalia. I mean, they've kind of split up since then, but uh, the the country not my parents. But um, <clears throat> and we went to see this film, uh, which was an Indian film, and I didn't understand the thing. And the next day, I was in the garden making up this dramatic scene, and my mum was watching me from the bathroom. She said, "What are you doing?" And I said, oh, the hero is going to die. Oh, no. So in a way, I've always loved making up stories. And I used to be a little, as I, you know, got a little bit older and I was in my early teens, I'd be a little bit embarrassed about people finding out because I thought, you know, I'm a little bit weird. I keep talking to myself. Um, <laughs> fortunately, now I get to talk to myself all the time. And
1: it seems people like it. Yes, yes. Well, it's funny because now, you know, I'll do that in my car. I will drive and and I'll be talking out a scene, like dialogue. And now that we have, you know, hands-free and I always make sure that someone can see my phone, like I'm talking on the phone, but really I'm just talking to myself (laughs) (laughs) as if anybody would care as we're driving, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It,
0: it's funny, really. I mean, I think some people are born with a love of stories. And I'm sure uh, you as a writer will have had that experience um, when, you, when you were little, that you couldn't get enough books to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was driving my mom crazy. She's like, can I have more stories? And she'd say, look, I just bought you five books last week. What you do, eat from? Yeah. Um, because to me, stories were... Absolutely, a crucial part of my just the way my mind functioned. Right. Um, But then I kind of didn't become a proper writer for years and years afterwards. I'd I'd write little things and then be too embarrassed to tell anyone about them, so I would hide them and you know, in the back of my desk or on, on the back of my. Um, laptop and no one would know about them until I think about 20 years ago I um, had a friend who was an actor and they said they were looking for playwrights who wrote stories about women and so I got okay. to see it at first um, and I was a playwright for quite a while about 15 years Um and I think it was about six years ago when I decided to make the move into fiction.
1: So quite a journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, how did, did you, were you self-taught in regard to writing plays? Because that's a whole different format from even screenwriting yeah. versus short stories. I mean, did you teach yourself? Had you had proper training? What, how did you do that?
0: I, it it's a funny thing. No, I, initially I haven't had any training at all. You know, sometimes I think I've seen a lot of plays and I've read a lot of plays. I'm one of those people, there are not many, who can actually read a play script um, mm-hmm. and, and make sense out of it because it's just pure dialogue. There's no description at all. Um, so I think the first couple of things I wrote um, weren't uh, based on any kind of training. Eventually, I actually... Um, did a directing course Because I wanted to understand How the medium worked That I was writing for um,
1: Right,
0: And then you learn from experience I mean when you work with actors and directors They will tell you What's expected They'll say things like You don't need to really say this Because the actor will just show it
1: um, sure. So you
0: learn to write very sparsely Literally a minimum of words I remember one uh, Guy telling me think that every word you put on the page is going to cost you five pounds. So don't put it down unless it's essential.
1: Wow. Uh, and of
0: course, when we come to fiction, it's a very different thing because you have to give a description. You have to explain how, when people are talking, their facial features, their tone of voice, he asked, he said, he demanded, all of that stuff. And I'm, I, you know, when I made the move, I wasn't used to this. So right. people will tell me, we don't know where your characters are. They could be in outer space. It's, not, it's not obvious. No, it's not obvious.
1: Right. And so it was quite a challenge. Well, I would think too that reading those scripts would help a lot because it's just like anybody wanting to study. You're studying the the, the work. Mm. Yes, you get a feel. I mean, I think.
0: Almost all readers who read a lot
1: will mm-hmm. have
0: an innate sense of what works and what doesn't work. They may not have the desire to create it themselves, but they can tell when something is not very good. Um, mm-hmm. And they might not have the terminology for why <clears throat> there's something wrong with this. But they'll have a sense that you're not connecting to the work properly. And I think that's how all works of art really well, you don't have to be an expert, I actually don't buy into this, you know, everybody needs to have degrees and PhDs before they can comment on whether it's a film or a novel or a poem or, a you know, an orchestra. Right. I think when something is good, it touches you. And if it doesn't touch you, then either it's not meant for you or it's rubbish.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean people like Sorry, Steven Spielberg didn't a finish.
0: And here and not, I'm not I'm uh, um, no.
1: but there you go. <laughs> no, no, not at all because I mean even I mean Steven Spielberg for one, he didn't finish his degree. He went back and finished because like, I don't know, like ten years ago. And the joke was, Well maybe you'll do mm. something with your life was the joke but um it's one of those things where the, the practical is just as important as the actual books. And um yeah. I was and went to nursing school, and it was a, a year-long program for an, what's called a licensed vocational nurse or licensed practical nurse, L, LVN, LPN. And my goal was to eventually, you know, stair-step into being an RN and possibly nurse practitioner at some point. But this got me in the door, and I remember those first six months studying and studying and studying, and then I became a nurse's aide, about six months in and I learned just as much are more practical as with the books. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that back and forth, that good blend of, you know, getting the basics and then being able to use the basics are essential.
0: You must have um, seen a lot of stories as part of your nursing work, because that's life
1: at, at the sharp end, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I actually, you know, include some of it. And it's funny because people, you know, they, they joke about different stuff and, oh, that would never happen. But, I mean, honestly, um, truth is stranger than fiction, which I'm sure you found as well in playwriting and acting and, I mean, in, in, all, in the whole theater world. It's is truth is stranger than fiction. Yes.
0: Yeah. You often hear <laughs> things like, you know, you couldn't make this up. Um,
1: right, and
0: I've I've worked as an um, addiction counsellor and and um, um, not quite a therapist, but uh, but kind of a mentor. And the sort of stories you hear, I would not be able to put in a book because no one would believe them. Right. You know, there's <laughs> this one girl who told me about um, how she sold her house and she borrowed money and everything to try and help her boyfriend, um, you know, do this project of his. And, you know, he was cheating on her and not even calling her back. And you think no one would do that. But the truth is actually people behave in ways that are really complex. And when you're dealing with people who have suffered, um, it makes you realize that, there's so much we don't know, and yes, not films and not
1: novels and not anything would even touch the sides right, and it's it's just um and sometimes I would think too those those kinds of moments in getting into a character's psyche, especially um you know no matter the format, um is definitely a a challenge for any any really good author.
0: Yes, but if you love it, um, then it's great.
1: Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. So tell me about you've got your English Channel series. So tell me, you've you've been playwriting, you've been doing all this. Now, what was the catalyst to make you say, okay, now I'm going to write this series? Um,
0: okay, I'll tell you, um, but you must promise not to laugh. I will not um, laugh. I was actually in the... <laughs> I was in the middle of writing this play I'd been commissioned to do. Um, and it was about Middle Eastern politics of all things. This was um about six years ago, two thousand and fifteen. And it was you know, the whole there was the whole war in Syria stuff and I was having to do research. And you know when you get on the internet and you're doing research and you get down the rabbit hole and you come up somewhere totally different. And I came yes. on this Description of an island in the English Channel, which I've never heard of. Um, it's a tiny, tiny island. And it, talks, it they said, basically, in this island, they don't allow cars at all. They don't even allow streetlights at night because they have this um, um, thing where they don't want any light pollution so you can see the stars. And they have a certificate from some international dark sky... Um, body that, that says that they have absolutely no light pollution and the entire island basically is pedestrian and it's owned and governed by this one um, it's like a feudal lord really and okay. it's such a surprising thing so I looked it up and it was so beautiful the pictures of it were so pretty and I remember thinking I would love to write something that's based there You know, never mind the Middle East I want to do this one and you realize that actually, because it's so visual, this is not something that will lend itself to theater. It needs more description. Mm-hmm. And I've had this idea in my head always, um, for years and years, about a woman whose horrible husband tells her she's ugly um, and tells her it's her fault that he's cheating. And then on the same day, she reads a newspaper um, vacancy um, advert uh, for a job, and it says um, applicants must not be attractive. And she thinks, well, since I'm ugly, I'll apply. And it was just this, like, kernel of idea. And I put the two together, and I thought, what if she applied for a job and she got to go to this really gorgeous island? And it totally, the whole idea just took hold of me and it wouldn't let go for about six, seven months. It was bouncing around in my head. And eventually I sat down and I began to write it. And literally, you know, you've heard this expression before, you know, things changed and the rest is history. That's exactly how it was. It was like I opened the door, walked through, and I was in a different place. And I never looked back.
1: Wow. There's a – there was a – I I think what – it, what island is this called again? The um the actual island. What well, the real the real place is yeah, called Sark. Um, I actually
0: changed the name a little bit because, sure. uh, you know, women fiction. You, don't, you know, you're talking about a real place, and you're talking about the guy who runs the place, and so you don't want to uh, then be be sued. So, uh,
1: right, so I called right.
0: It and yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, and I think I remember seeing.
1: Yeah, I think I remember seeing pictures or something of it several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was actually a show in the United States. Um, gosh, what was it? I want to say, gosh, 10 years ago. And it was called Ugly Betty. Um, and it was actually based oh, yeah. on on a um, telenovela. Um, it wasn't based, but, I mean, it had a telenovela qualities to it and such. And it was delightful and fun. But it was about a, a – um magazine mongol, he had all this stuff and his son he put in basically charge of one of the magazines just to kinda keep him out of trouble. And the guy just couldn't basically keep it in his pants. And so what happened was is the dad hires an ugly assistant so, um, the son will actually get work done. And um it's this it's this whole process of like you're saying the self discovery and realizing you're you know, you're far more than you think you are. And it was just, it was, it was a cool journey. So um, I'm loving the whole, you know, discovering your, your strengths and your beauty um, line. That's just, that's a cool, that's always a cool story.
0: Yeah. I I think this is why I've chosen to write in the particular niche that I write in, which, <clears throat> you know, I mean, romance is a really wide um, genre and Uh, what I particularly like writing about is women discovering themselves. You you know, yes, we want her to get the guy, but we want her to get it right for herself first because I think if you're not strong enough, if you don't respect yourself, you can't ask other people to respect you. If you don't love yourself enough, you can't expect anyone else to love you. You know, other people don't replace how you should treat yourself. And so for me... All of my writings are, all of my stories are about women who actually, it's their journey, and it's fine you know, making a wonderful life for themselves and growing through the journey of the story.
1: Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that we all want to be. When we're reading, we want to relate. We've all felt bad about ourselves. We've all had, you know, our, you know, bad days. But yeah, we want to see that person be able to say, you know what, I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. I mean, and those are, I love those Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we, particularly as women, we've not been encouraged to think of ourselves as strong. Um, <clears throat> we've been a lot of time, I mean, a lot less now, thank God. You know, when you look yeah. back at the what used to be published, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, it was all about her being helpless, and the guy would be, you know, masterful and, and a little bit rude, and uh, he would rescue her and fix her. Mm-hmm. And now, thank God, things have changed a little bit, and we are yeah. beginning to understand. That actually, we are, in, in fact, the stronger sex. We are the more resilient. Um, yes. We're more able to survive. Um, but what we still have enough of is confidence. We are so easily undermined, you know. Just someone has to tell us. I mean, this is like the, you know, my first story where you know the guy says to so, "You're fat and ugly," and that's it. She she believes it for for quite a while. It totally takes the wind out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't can't um, tell you how many times I've heard people, uh, women, say that to me. Um, You know, I I can't do this, or I I don't look right doing that, or people will think me a bitch, or people will think me, you know, um, not very nice. Um, So I think it's important to celebrate a woman's journey of discovery. Um, And I think also a woman's ability to laugh at the world and laugh at herself and not take Mm -hmm. things too seriously um, I like a touch of romantic
1: comedy, don't you? Oh, very much. I, I just, it's it's hopeful. You know, I know that a lot of people kind of, um, you know, I've heard a lot of different comments about people joking about Hallmark movies and such. And yes, you know, we're watching it because we know we want the happily ever after and we know we want, you know, um, light conflict because the world can be heavy. Um, but, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting hope. There's, it's just why why wouldn't you? Nothing. Why wouldn't you? Nothing want at all. It?
0: And we, we, you know, there's enough misery when you turn on the radio. We're not pretending. Yeah. Look, there are um, so many men who will read science fiction, and of course they don't believe that aliens are going to invade the earth and they're going to have to defend it from attacking the White House. We know that that's you know fiction. It's a bit of escapism, and there's nothing wrong with creating something beautiful. Um, I think romance gets a really bad reputation, doesn't get enough respect. Um, right. And it's, it's not fair because it's actually, having been writing for a long time, I tell you, it's one of the hardest things to write. Because if you're at any other kind of fiction, you have an open-ended ending. You don't know, you know, you can go anyway. With a romance, you can't. You know, know, there's no mystery there. The girl's going to get the guy at the end, and they're Mm -hmm. going to live happily ever after. So in order to keep someone turning pages, when they know in advance how it's going to end, Mm -hmm. that takes quite a bit of skill
1: to keep them engaged
0: to keep their heart in the reading. Otherwise, why would they read?
1: Right. And it has to so make I sense. I mean, right. It, and it has to make sense. It can't be, well, we'll just throw them together because that's the easiest thing to do. I mean, we have to know why these two people would want to be together and why, you know, these things happen in their lives and what makes sense. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, the human psyche is difficult. And it doesn't matter whether it's on a, a Harlequin yeah. level, sweet romance, or it's a uh, hot and heavy. It's got to make sense.
0: Yes, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. And as you say, you know, human attraction is complicated, and it, there are different reasons for why. Um, you know, my mum used to say, "Every cracked cup has its saucer," and. It, it, it just means, you know, you can't say everyone has to be like that for them to be able to right. hold in love. Actually, what attracts people to other people
1: is such an individual thing. There is a movie. Have you seen the movie Coco?
0: No, I haven't. I've, I've heard of it. I've heard it mentioned.
1: Um, yes. It's on my list
0: now. Um
1: there is a beautiful, so it's based, um, it's called uh, Coco because the great-grandmother's name is Coco. And um,
0: the, okay.
1: it talks about the Day of the Dead. And Mexico has these beautiful ceremonies where, you know, the the those that um, have gone before us can come back over. And we can, you know, we put the ofrendas out and we have um, you know, food and it's a celebration. And so it talks about this. Gentleman who can't cross over because there's no picture on the ofrenda, and he keeps wanting to come back because mm. um, his his daughter now, who's the great grandmother, um, she's forgetting him, and if you're forgotten completely, you go to the final death, and um, so the the grandson gets all the great gets all mixed up and everything, and but there's this song that the great grandfather sings, and it's it's talking about um, everyone knows Juanita, and, and it's saying her eyes are different color and her chin sticks out, and her legs. It's just like it's like talking about her legs are bowed, and her she's got this raggedy hair and everything. And you're thinking, oh, this is you know not a nice song. And then at the very last line, it's and if I weren't so ugly, um, mm-hmm. could he possibly give me a chance. And you're like, so he's singing a love song. You know, everyone's thinking, oh, oh he's he's making fun, and he's actually singing about someone he's enamored with. Um, and so, like you're saying, we don 't know what attracts to whom you know um and that 's kind yeah. of the beauty of writing those those romances is definitely finding what attracts these two people together yes
0: and and it is um uh, it 's a lovely journey of discovery I mean, you were asking me what made me write what I do. Um, and as I said, you know, I wake up in the morning excited. The first time i have woken up every morning excited about working because you can go on that journey with them and you can um, live in that world that you're creating. Um, yes. In, um, uh, I think we were saying this some time ago, um, in my second story, it's based on this um, um, fashion designer who designs wedding dresses and having me having to do the research and look into the different kinds of fabric and how they're designed and and the different ideas, it was the most fun I tell you, I have never had so much fun researching a book as I did earlier this year because (laughs) it is just, uh, last year I should say now, it was in the middle of a pandemic we weren't doing anything, we were locked in the house I don't know if you had the same in in, uh, Texas where you are but um in London, we were on lockdown, so we weren't allowed out of the house except once to go for a walk for 20 yes. minutes, and then
1: we had to come back. Well, we weren't <laughs> that severe lockdown. Our uh, political officials tended to downplay it and have actually just recently uh, taken taking the mask mandate away when we, our numbers are still high. So needless oh. to say, people are freaking out um, and angry. But um, no, we did not have it that way just because our – Representatives don't want to talk about it, so it's fun. Um, so a lot of us are staying home for the sake of uh, health and sanity. It's, uh, it's really difficult
0: because, uh, yeah, I know. And it's easier for those of us who work from home anyway and who work online and who can invent stories and trouble in our heads Sure. But for lot of people I know, it was very difficult.
1: Um, yeah. and,
0: and people who live in small flats with, you know, no balcony and two toddlers, oh, my God, I'm sure it was hell for them. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I got to go online and research wedding dresses from across the world. It was so much fun. And then I got to create this dress and think of how I could make it really pretty Right. And how I'd make it relevant, because I think I've always had this idea um, that a wedding dress has got to be a really personal thing. It's like dating. You can't go and buy something off the shelf. It has to match the personality of the bride and the personality of, of, of the, the, the life they want to have together. Right, um, And so it it was so much fun having to kind of think of what my what did my character, who's a designer, trying to learn enough about the woman she's making a dress for, who says, you know, I don't want to wear couture. I don't want, you know, we've got money. We can buy the most expensive dress in the world, and I don't want to because that's not me. I don't want to walk down the aisle looking like every other bride. Right. Um and and so then she comes up with this idea where she can make something that feels like her. Um, and, you know, I think if you can do that for a job, if you can invent things like that in your head, I think it's one of the best jobs in the world.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, what were some of the things that surprised you about wedding dresses when you were looking at materials or designs or, I mean, was there um, certain themes that you saw in different countries or different cultures that was just, this absolutely has to happen versus this is something um, unique. What did you see? Yeah.
0: For example, in India,
1: um, actually um, the wedding sari
0: is normally red, particularly in in certain um, parts of the country. It's not like the whole white dress is a Western thing. Um, In fact, in some cultures, white is is a funeral color. Um, And I think once you um, break out of this box of it has to be white, it has to have a veil, you start to discover, like in Africa, again, it's like a lot of fabric, like the woman is wrapped in a lot of fabric, and it's very bright colors. Yes. Uh, And then the jewelry that goes with it... um, but also even in, in Western designs, um, you realize things, for example, about how a dress is made, that before you make the dress, you make a dummy dress out of like a cheap fabric because you can't tell how it will hang on the bride's body until mm. she actually wears it. You, you, know, right. you can draw as many uh, pictures as you like. Until she wears it and moves around in it, you can't tell whether, you know, the cut can be just slightly different and it will make her bottom look bigger or smaller or makes her feel like she's swaying as she walks or she's being stiff and uncomfortable. Um, and uh, one of the things that I actually quite liked and I ended up using it is that you can hand paint. um You can create a dress in different layers and then you can hand paint little things on the different layers So then when the bride walks and the layers kind of, the cloth shifts and moves, it looks like she's walking in a field and these flowers are kind of flying around her feet. Wow. Um, And it was interesting to discover how you can create that effect. Huh. Um, I
1: just, you know, I I watched my um, Crazy Rich Asians like a lot of people, and I remember there's the scene in the wedding where the water comes up, you know, and she's walking through, it looks like, you know, a marsh, and they have the fireflies, lights, and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: sitting there the whole time thinking, but her dress is wet, you know. <laughs> but, but this is, um, <laughs> but then she had a whole other outfit for the reception, and you had a whole other outfit for this. And so it's, it's an idea of, but it's just one dress, and it's not. I mean, it's, it depends on the wedding you want, Correct. Oh, yeah,
0: and that's another thing in India. It's actually a seven day wedding, and so they have several outfits you know, the, the main ceremony, and then the, there's a big dinner reception, and then the next day, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after that. Um, it and you think, actually, yeah, that's how it should be because all this preparation and stress. I mean, here, mm-hmm. there's no bride that gets, married. I mean, I got married. I think we decided, and we got engaged, and then we got married six weeks later, and mm-hmm. the only slot that was available at the town hall was at 9.15 in the morning, and said, that's it, that's when we're doing it, and in right. fact, you will have a wedding breakfast, which really will be breakfast, um, but right. for most people, they're planning it for a year and a half, and you think all this planning and hard work, and then it's over in a day, and, and it's so stressful, that actually you don't feel it and you don't enjoy it
1: because you're worried
0: about all the details.
1: No, let's have it for a whole week so you could really feel it. Right. And then that that gives opportunity, my understanding. um, I have friends from Mexico and I have friends from all over the the world and they've talked about it. So a friend of mine in Mexico, they had like a pre-pre- uh, rehearsal dinner, and then you have the rehearsal dinner, and then you have the reception, and then you have the breakfast. To meet. it's just like, you know, layer and layers because all these people have come yeah. from all these different places to celebrate with you. So you, you know, have this very long celebration um, because they people spend their time coming. Um, and you have uh, opportunities for different people in your family to, you know, I will take care of this breakfast and I will take care of this part of the reception. And, and it's just, it's like this huge. Um, effort, you know, within your own your your family, your community, that you're you're doing this. And I think
0: what you say is that right. It's family and community. I think when you have a lot of community um, working with you, you're not on your own, having to do everything yourself. And I think we have, and particularly now because of COVID, we have really become very insular. And there's something really beautiful about Living within a community that all, you know, pitch in together, um, and th- that was one of the nice things about being able to um, set my stories where I did, because when you have a an old-fashioned island where things have to be slow because you don't have fast cars or trains or buses or anything like that, um, then everything has to be much more gentle and much more relaxed and mm-hmm. people you know pitch in together and you know when this um young woman goes into labor unexpectedly and has a trial and nobody even knew she was pregnant and the next day you know because she she can't get off the island to go shopping and buy things for the baby everybody sends her baskets of you know their own old baby clothes and toys and things like that and i love this feeling of you know a whole community coming in together and doing things for each other. Um, and it's, it, it's. I think, you know, we were talking earlier about escapism and, and writing about places that are fun to imagine. Um, I think we all want to feel a sense of love, not just with the person we fall in love with, but with the entire world we live in, the community we live in, um, and, and I think if you can imagine such a place, um, you, you start to think, I want to go there. And actually one of my um, one of my readers wrote me an email and she said, please tell me this is a real place. I'd like to go and visit it. And I thought, yes, me too,
1: we too. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about <laughs> people being generous and helping in a community, I don't know if you've seen the, the play Come From Away or heard about it. No. So I ended up getting uh, my family and I ended up getting tickets through some friends that couldn't go last minute. And it's um, it was a Broadway play. It won tons of awards. It was on the in the West End, and it's about this island um, in. Um, let me make sure I say it. It's it's Gander, in Newfoundland, and it was nine oh, yeah. eleven, and all the planes were grounded. And so um, Gander used to be a huge hub when people could only fly for so long from, um, you know, Europe and then obviously the other way. And so they just started grounding all these flights that were heading into the United States. And this airport, who usually now only had like 10 flights a day, had 37 planes grounded. And um, the people were on the flights, you know, sitting on the planes for almost 24 hours. They weren't telling them anything. Um, they, the town has 10,000 people. Um, and basically they opened up their homes, their stores, their, um, their, their schools, their everything. They made cots and they fed them and never asked for a dime and it's all oh, these different. It's, so it's about 20 people that play all of these characters in town. They just change, like, they put a vest on, or they take a vest off, put a jacket, and it's this, this mm-hmm. beautiful, yeah. seamless change on stage, and it talks about just taking care of each other in this crisis. Yes. Um, and the they're actually going to make, like Hamilton did for Disney, they... They recorded everything yeah. with the original cast before everybody started going different directions. Well, they're going to come back and do one of those for the for Come From Away. So people who can't necessarily get to the play or, or, you know, the theater at some point or ever, they can see it on TV. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And then they had people from all over, the people coming in from Africa, you know, flights in Germany and Paris and everywhere and when they left everybody left after like a week or so they uh, went to the town hall and there was a comments box and people had gone in and shoved money in these boxes so people could replenish their stores oh, wow. and their you know oh, wow. yeah and they were just going into the stores and taking getting baby you know diapers and clothes and feminine products and i mean just Everything and never yeah, charge yeah. a dime. So it was just like you're talking about that community feeling. It's it, people can do it.
0: Yes, and I think I wish they would do that on the news. I wish there would be a segment on the news after all the war and the politicians arguing and everything. Where they would <laughs> tell us stories like this because actually people can be amazingly generous and amazingly giving. If only mm-hmm. you know we have a little bit of faith in the
1: human spirit, yeah, I wish you know there was there was more more of those stories, and it would be um, I think people might just have a better mood in general, but maybe that's just the idealist and romantic in me, I don't know, but um, but we do need to see the positive <laughs> as much as we need we see yeah. the negative because you know it's yeah. Yeah. It's never it's never yeah. good to see uh, just one or the other, for sure. So, Yeah. yeah. And, and that's well, the way I want to my
0: life now.
1: Yes. Well, and speaking of wonderful stories, you have two out now, and you've got a third coming out next month. So right now um, yeah. is Plain Jane Wanted, Chan- uh, English Channel Book 1, Unwanted Bride, English Channel Book 2. And then Dreamcatcher Wanted is coming out April 21st. Yes,
0: yeah, and Okay.
1: all no characters that you find on this island, so yeah.
0: Lovely. Um, well, I have
1: been talking, if, for everyone listening, I've been talking to Rose Amberley. She is a fabulous author that you need to read two of her books before her third book comes out next month, and it is on pre-order, and the link is in the write-up of the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It was lovely chatting to you. And, Absolutely, and, you and um, we will – Yes, and we will stay in touch. And everybody, go and check out Rose's books. You can also check her out on her website, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. All the links are in the write-up of the show, as well as um, her book links. And everybody, keep on reading and stay safe.
0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.